Amen, amen. And good morning, everyone. I am so grateful that you are here. And for those of you who are joining us on our online church family, I'm Ricky Ayala, the senior pastor of our congregation. And I welcome all of you if you are here for the very first time. I'm excited also because God has given us a beautiful day to come and worship him as we gather and we start a new sermon series that is titled First, Putting God First in Living and in Giving. So if you have your, you know, the pens or pencils that you're taking notes or at home and things, I'm going to be bringing you several scripture references from the Old and New Testaments to talk about, first of all, you know, what God mentioned about making idols, the importance of a covenant, and of course, uh, finally, how we can name our idols. When looking at this uh, 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 series, uh, Pastor Mike Slaughter defines an idol as anything or anyone that receives the primary focus of our energy or resources, which should first belong to God. I'll keep that up there for a moment as I share something for the kids. The kids who are here and those are online, you can make sure that you have the sermon bingo. Uh, the instructions are there. Make sure you turn them in on the kidmen table for a prize at the end of the service. But again, we can't go into understanding what, you know, regarding naming our idols or understanding the importance of covenant if we don't know the definition of the idol. Again, anything or anyone that receives a primary focus of our energy and resources, which should first, can you say first? first. Belong to God. Now, it, it doesn't, you know, when you're looking at idols or thinking about idols, it, uh, you could probably lean into the Old Testament um, book of Exodus when God has given Moses the Ten Commandments for his people, and that's what we're going to start off with today. Uh, Exodus 20, beginning on verse 3 to 6, specifically, again, regarding idols. I'll be reading from the NLT version, so if you're reading from your devices or your own Bible, the translation may be a little different. The Bible says this, you must not make any other God but me. You must not have any other God uh, but me. You must not make yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Now, when we love God and obey his commands, we aren't only thinking about our lives, but the lives of our children and their children and their children, as the Bible is saying, for a thousand generations for those who love God and obey his commands. Later on in this Exodus uh, uh, book, in chapter 23, verse 24, the Bible also says, do not bow down before their gods or worship them, or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones into pieces. See, when they're worshiping, they were worshiping whole idols. Pieces signifies that there's a brokenness, and in a sense, it is worthless or have little worth. We serve a God that is not only whole, but holy. Holy. 
He is pure. He is sacred. He is set apart. He is the creator of heaven and earth and wants to have a relationship with you and me, but not a relationship that has us sharing our attention, our love, our devotion, and our worship with other idols. Later on in that Exodus 23 passage, verses 32 and 33, it says, Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. You know, why would God tell his people not to make idols or destroy those already being worshiped? Because God had made covenant with his people, and like us, they would forget from time to time and would need to be reminded. Isn't that what we're doing here today? You have probably heard about the Ten Commandments. But here you are being reminded about God's word to his people to not make idols and to not make covenants with them. In the text of 2 Kings, I'm going to go into chapter 17, verses 38 through 41. God warns us that when we worship other gods, we are breaking the covenant that he has made with us. Again, 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 38 through 41. The Bible says this, Do not forget the covenant I made with you, and do not worship other gods. You must not worship only, excuse me, you must worship only the Lord your God. He is the one who will rescue you from all your enemies. But the people would not listen and continue to follow their former practices. So while these new residents worship the Lord, they also worship their idols. And to this day, their descendants do the same. We're no different. When we give our lives to Christ, there's a tendency, a high probability that we're still worshiping our other idols that we were in love with, the things that really satisfied our life. And so after we give our life to Christ, when the, the renewing of our mind takes place day by day, we also worship God, but we have a tendency of also worshiping other gods and other idols that we make for ourselves. The Bible uses covenant as a bond between people in which each party places the other person's priorities above his or her own. I'm going to ask the tech team, please keep that up there while I continue on. Two of the most familiar biblical covenants that God made was one with Noah in Genesis 9, and the other was the covenant he made with Abraham in Genesis 15. So clearly the word covenant also applies to our relationship with God. A good example of a covenant we can all relate to is the covenant at marriage, at the wedding. You know, I, I picked out one of the traditional vows. I know that there are people who uh, take, their, they take their time and they write their own vows, while others be like, oh no, just, just stick with the traditional vows. I'm good with that. 
So I picked out the tradition of how it says, for example, I'm going to say because, you know, for my wife was probably, you know, probably watching, I'm sure. It says, I, Ricky, take you, Ani, to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, in joy and in sorrow, to love and to cherish, and to be faithful to one, to you alone, as long as as we both shall live. Now again, you may have had your own vows or something similar to this, but what you did is when you came together, when the bride came down that aisle, when the groom is waiting and they see each other for the first time, oh, the love that's there, and then they come together, not only between themselves, but those who have done it before the presence of the Almighty God, the God understands what a covenant is. So therefore, we are submitting ourselves to each other that we are faithful to one another and only ourselves, that that's where our covenant comes in for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. To understand what the covenant is, and God understands those covenants, even when we fall short of his glory, God continues to be consistent with the covenants he has made. And I tell you what, God is a faithful God that he's going to complete and make everything right for the covenants and the promises that he has made. Not on our own time, but on God's time. Because I've said it before, when it's God's time, it's the right time. If it's the right time, more than that, it is the perfect time. You know, chances for a successful marriage increases. When a wife or husband puts their spouse's priorities above their own. Oh, the times that I've been able to go home and, and when I get an opportunity to watch TV, I sit down you know, on the couch, my wife's there. And because I put my, her priorities before mine, I'm able to uh, sit down and gather for a Hallmark movie. This is why, sometimes, this is how, and, and sometimes it's when a, a game is on. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> the covenants that I've made with my wife, that you made with your spouse. Oh, you know the times, you know when we used to flirt with each other? You remember those days? I still do that sometimes, and my kids be like, you guys are crazy. <laughs> I roll up on the car. I beep, I say, what's up, girl? Let me get your digits, you know? <laughs> and she, she'd be like, hey, Poppy, how you doing, you know? She's going to kill me when I get home, but... Uh... <laughs> and, of course, the kids be like, I'm going to puke, you know? <laughs> but, the ladies and gentlemen, the covenants are so important because it's between both individuals. God made a covenant with his people. He continues, and we are part of the generation, and the generation, and the generation. So God is going to keep his promise, even again when we fall short. 
And let me, say, let me share something with you. I know it's not part of my notes, but I just have a feeling if it's something that you need to hear, if you, if you receive it, it has nothing to do with you, just hold on to it. But if you are married, ladies and gentlemen, stop flirting with other people. And don't put yourself in, and set yourself up for failure in your marriage. Take the opportunity to continue to flirt with the one that you're married to. Take a little flowers here and there or take them out here, you know, for a dinner and spend time with them. If we are spending time with the other individual that is outside of our marriage, be careful. Spend time and honor the covenant that you made before God at the altar. And God is a great source of strength that he's able to give us. And even when times are difficult, God can be a strength for all of you and our relationships. And that's a side note. Take it, receive it, but get back to the day when you said the I do's. In the same way, when we go after idols, we are breaking our covenant with God. Without speaking the words, we are asking him for a spiritual divorce. Unlike the ancient Israelites, we do not worship um, golden calves. But we do chase about a broad variety of idols. They are the things we can't live without, that can't stop thinking about. The things that if we, they were taken away from us, we would be devastated. We create our idols out of our deepest desires and fears or aspirations. We use them to fill a void in our lives that only God should fill. When we replace God with an idol, we substitute temporary pleasure for eternal joy. So what are the idols you worship in your life? There are a multitude of possibilities. Food, alcohol, recreational drugs, sex, your home, your car, your job, your success, technology, social media, your phone. Is your idol a sports team, an ideology, or a political party? You know, I've talked to uh, several, pa uh, several pastors and churches around our area, and they know when the Philadelphia Eagles are playing because their attendance drops dramatically. And I don't know if you've ever been to, it doesn't have to be an Eagles uh, uh, game, but I've had the, the privilege of attending a couple throughout my years. But it could be in other stadium. When people are screaming, but joy and excitement, especially when their team is up or they score or do the, the excitement that's there. And here are people who are coming to church, but they give more energy out in a stadium. And when they come to a church, it is silent. Forget how much we're able to give honor and glory to God, our maker of our day. And therefore, 
if we compare what we do out in the stadium versus what we do in worship, oh, I tell you what, if we, if ladies and gentlemen, if we do the things that we were out in the stadium, the way we're jumping up and down and celebrating with people when things are happening, oh, if that happened inside a church, the devil would be scared, ladies and gentlemen. The devil would be scared. He wouldn't know what to do. Because as we're jumping up and down and we're worshiping the almighty God, there's no way the devil can be in, in, in that midst. He can try, but there is no thing that can be able to bring us down because the almighty God will be with us as we freely worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we start to honestly look at ourselves and recognize those things in our lives that we are putting before God, we might realize that even good things can become idols. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, gifts from God can become idols when they are assigned the wrong priorities. For example, the people we love can become idols. If we put relationships with family or friends above everything else, we worship the gift, not the giver. Another gift God give, uh, provides is in the form of money. Money was a common idol in Jesus' day, and it remains one today. When money becomes your idol, you will always lust for more and spend it selfishly. Like all idols, it eventually becomes your master consuming your thoughts and your time. We are reminded when Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he said, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You see, I don't know about you, but when you don't think about money as a negative, I like money. Don't get me wrong. I like money in order to, uh, uh, to spend and also to give as well and, and share with others as well as save for when those uh, rainy days are happening later on, especially those unexpected days. But we got to be careful that we're not only pursuing money and that because we are pursuing that to be successful, pursuing more money, there's never going to be enough. And therefore, that's when we transition. If we're not careful, we're transitioning to having money become the idol. And Jesus is reminding us, be careful and don't serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. Like the money, spending of our money, there is an element of selfishness and self-centeredness. In our idolatry, we imagine ourselves to be the center of the universe. We view all of our interests by how well they serve us. There, this is one reason why people go from church to church. They are looking for what they like and what programs and ministries do for them. See, this is nothing new. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, 
It says, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. But brothers and sisters, when we put ourselves at the center of the universe, we harm our relationship with God. We undermine our spiritual and moral compass and break our connection to the true vine, which we just spent nine weeks listening and learning what the fruit of the Spirit that's produced in us can do for our lives as we seek to do the will of God that is good and pleasing and perfect. Why would we want to mess that up? If we want to rid of ourselves from our idols, we must name our idols and acknowledge the power they have over us. That's right, we must set ourselves apart out of, uh, from our everyday living to give us a chance to evaluate our lives and identify the idols we have intentionally and unintentionally created. Don't waste the opportunity that God is giving you. Name your idol. When we start to name them, we acknowledge their existence. We need to get rid of them. And finally, we must remember that even if we name our idols and put them behind us, we must realize that they will still tempt us. But God can give us the strength to resist them. We find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 14, where it says, If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God, I love this, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And I love this last part. It says, so dear friends, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. If we are not careful, if we are flirting with temptation in the line that's so close and you're thinking you're standing, be careful lest you fall. If you're thinking that to the idol that you are uh, spending more time with, oh, that's, that'll be fine. When the time comes, I'll, I'll worship God. Be careful, ladies and gentlemen, when we think we're standing, we fall. And it says, flee from worshiping idols. Our God, the creator of heaven and earth, who gave his one and only Son and gifted us with the promise of the Holy Spirit, is the same God who recognizes we as human beings make idols for ourselves. And you think that you're trying to hide that from God? He knows. This scripture reminds us to flee from the worship of idols. 
name them. Do something about them. Take yourself out of the center of the universe and allow God to take over. Let us be intentional in serving God and only God each day of our lives. He is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. God loves you. He showed us his love through the Jesus Christ who was crucified on the cross for you and for me. He took on all of our sins and became the ultimate sacrifice. He died so that we may live. He resurrected and ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he is given the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in earth, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. For all that God has done for us, he deserves our full undivided worship and not just for one hour on Sunday morning ladies and gentlemen brothers and sisters name your idols get rid of them quickly before it's too late let us pray gracious and loving God we come before your presence we have heard today how from back then you used to tell the people, don't make any idols, to worship you and you alone, and it's still true today. You reminded us of the covenant you've made before, and you are going to continue to keep those promises, that covenant you made with your people. God, let us examine our lives. Let the Holy Spirit really convict us in the things or people that we have made into idols, the things that we have replaced you with, whether it's sports, whether it's family members, whether it's our jobs, whether it's money, to put those aside and really come back to the first love, you, God, because you first loved us. Help us each day to continue to worship you and only you. And let us be a great example. Let us be the hands and feet of Jesus here in a hurting world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, before I finish out and turn it over to the band, I have at least two next steps for you. The first one is evaluate your life and name an idol or idols that is creating a breakdown in your relationship with God. Ask God for the power to break free from its stronghold and turn back to God. And the second is don't delay. Start putting God first in your life. Start today then build a streak as you worship him and him alone day by day. Don't waste the time 
or the day that God has provided for all of you. May God bless.